If you have your Bibles with you, please open with me to Psalm 30. Psalm 30, as we continue our series in the Psalms, just to let you know, this will be the last Psalm that I preach in the series. Next week, Pastor Daryl will be bringing our, our final Psalm of this series of the Psalms. But the week after, February 10th, we're going to start a series on the Lord's Prayer. The Lord has, as you know, given us this wonderful opportunity to go into a new building, uh, Lord willing, here in just a few months. So what I would love for us to do is come together as a congregation and study the Lord's Prayer and prayerfully go to the Lord and ask Him how that building might be used for His honor, His glory, for His kingdom to come in that building. That that would be a tool that, that He uses through us so the gospel might go forth, that people might come to know the Lord People might grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And let's learn how to pray as Jesus teaches us to pray, even as we consider this new building. If you look in your bulletin, there is a, um, an insert or core weekly. There's a little, uh, down on the bottom left of the front of it, there's a book by R.C. Sproul called The Prayer of the Lord. If you would like to get that book, maybe as a supplement for, for your personal reading as we go through the Lord's Prayer, that would be a great book to get. I know that many of our men's and women's Bible study groups are going through that book this semester. So please know that that's um, um, available to get. But today we're in Psalm 30, and as Daryl mentioned, we're talking about prayer. This sermon is entitled, The Blessedness of answered prayer. So if you were able, I ask you to stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime." Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Pray with me. Father, we are in awe of your word. We are in awe of you. And as we come this morning, as we read and study this passage, we pray that you would be glorified and that our hearts and minds 
would be open to receiving what you have for us today through your word. Father, you give us all the whole spectrum of life in the Psalms, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, the difficulties of life. And as David proclaims to us his own sickness, his prayer to you in the midst of that today, we pray your blessings upon the preaching of your word. May your Holy Spirit work within us, Father, we pray. If there's one here who doesn't know Jesus, may they be drawn savingly to you by your grace. And for believers today, may we receive your word. May we grow in it and through it. And Father, may we be conformed more into the image of Christ. We pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. So if you've been with us over these several months, we've been going through the Psalms, you know that the Bible gives us so many different types of Psalms, so many different genres of Psalms. Let's review some of the types of Psalms we've looked at to get to this point. We started out by looking at what's called a wisdom Psalm, Psalm 1 and Psalm 19. Those are Psalms that are focused on God's revelation, not only in nature, but through his word. We looked at God's revelation in nature in Psalm 19 when it said the heavens declare to us the glory of God. God's revelation in his word from Psalm 1, it talked about man delighting in the law of God. Next, we looked at what's called the highs of life, the hymns, psalms of praise to God. And it was the hymns that had that expression, hallelujah, which literally means praise Jehovah, praise Yahweh, lift his name on high. Psalm 117, Psalm 146, those psalms taught us to praise the Lord, and it taught us it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're called to praise Yahweh. We looked at the lows of life, what's called the laments, going through the valleys, the hard times of life. We saw David in Psalm 51 in, in agony of his own sin that he had committed with, with Bathsheba, had murdered Uriah the Hittite. And he confessed his sin to the Lord. He said, God created me a clean heart. I need your forgiveness. I need to be washed whiter than snow because if I wash myself, I'm still dirty. But if you wash me, God, I'll be whiter than snow. He lamented to the Lord. We saw that great psalm of confidence, Psalm 46. Remember, it was that psalm that drove Martin Luther to write, A mighty fortress is our God. Because Psalm 46 says to us, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. And Luther took so much confidence and support from that psalm that even though he was going through so many trials in his life, he was confident in God. Because it was in God he found his source of protection and strength. And even with protection, Hunter preached Psalm 90, which is a psalm of protection. It says in that psalm, God, you are our dwelling place. Daryl preached a psalm of trust in Psalm 62, a psalm that says, trust in the Lord at all times. A few weeks ago, I preached Psalm 136, a redemptive historical psalm. That means the psalmist is looking back at history. And teaching us how mighty and how powerful God's acts were in history. Specifically coming out of Exodus or with the Davidic dynasty. That God is a God who redeems throughout all of history. And then finally, Hunter preached Psalm 22. That messianic psalm. A psalm that pointed to the coming of the Lord Jesus 
Christ. So we see that through all these different types of psalms, the Bible takes us from the highs to the lows and everything in between. You've seen the slide go through here many times. The psalms cover the whole spectrum of life. Well, today we get to yet another type of psalm. Psalm 30 is what is called a psalm of thanksgiving. In a thanksgiving psalm, the author usually describes a difficult time that he's gone through, a time of trouble or a time of sickness, a time of despair, and he cries out to God in thanks for bringing him through that difficult time of life. That's exactly what's happening here in Psalm 30. Because we're going to learn from this text that mighty King David, he became very, very sick. Almost to the point of dying. We're going to see that in the text. But he called out to the Lord and he called out to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord answered David and brought David healing in the midst of his sickness. But in that process, there was a lot of growth spiritual growth that David went through. He learned so much about himself. He learned so much about God. And he learned so much about relying on God and thanking God for every good and wonderful thing in life and relying on his grace instead of his own, um, instead of his own uh, working in his own life. If you look on the back of your bulletin, there's an outline of the text that we're going to go through today. This psalm of thanksgiving as David prays to the Lord. So I want you to see three main things from this text. First of all, I want you to see David's sickness and God's rescue from verses 1 through 5. Secondly, see David's boast, his bragging, yet he finds himself pleading to the Lord for mercy after that. And then finally, I want you to see David's thanksgiving, his celebration for what the Lord has done in his life. But let's first of all look at that first point, David's sickness and rescue. You know, this time of year, so many people are sick. Are you sick this morning? Have you been sick? Been sickness in your family? A couple weeks ago, my son Jack missed every day of school, every single day. Because he was sick. I've talked to several people this morning saying my spouse is at home right now sick. Or they're going through some type of difficulty, some type of suffering. I know many of you in this congregation have faced not only a cold or the flu, but things much greater than that in life in terms of being sick and being ailing in this life. Well, this text, we see King David, mighty King David, identifying with being Sick. In fact, we learn that he was near the point of death. Look at verse 3. David says in verse 3, Lord, you've brought me up from Sheol. That means the grave. That he was so sick that he was near the point of death. Yet it was during that time when he was so sick. Verse 2 says, that David turned to the Lord and he cried to God for help. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help. And the Bible says to us today in verse 2 and verse 3 that God responded. 
Verse 2 says, Lord, you healed me of my sickness. Verse 3 says, Lord, you have brought me up. Now, the verb there in that text, the picture behind it is that of a bucket that goes way down into a well. And it gathers the water and it brings the water up. And David is saying is that my bucket was so far down into that well, I was close to the bottom of the well. I was close to dying. But at that point, Lord, you grabbed hold of my bucket and you pulled me up that well and you have restored me. You have made me whole. You've healed me is what the Bible says. And God, or David praises the Lord and he encourages all saints everywhere to praise the Lord. Now, from these first five verses, beloved, I think we can learn at least three things. And the first one's this. As Christians, we are to seek the Lord in prayer. That whatever is going on in your life, and in this case particularly if you are sick, seek the Lord in prayer. That's why we have a prayer list here at Redeemer. And we bring these issues of even of, of sickness, of ailing, of pain before God because God wants us to bring these issues to him. There's a verse we're going to put on the screen. It's a, a verse that's precious to me. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And I hope this verse becomes precious to you because it teaches us about seeking the Lord in prayer. Peter says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I love that word casting. We, we know Peter, what was his trade? He was a fisherman. And what did he do with his nets? He casted those nets into the sea to gain fish. David picks up this, or excuse me, Peter picks up this word casting, and now he applies it to prayer. He says, God says to us, as a, as a Christian, cast, throw out all your anxieties, your worries, your cares on God. Why? Because God cares for you. And let us see the beauty of Christianity. You see, when you come to Jesus and you're saved, does God wipe away your sin? Does he, does he declare you righteous? Yes, he saves you, but that's not all. God takes us and he puts us in his family and he says to us, dear child, I want you to come to me as, as, as a child would come to their father. I want you to come to me and I want you to cast all your anxieties, all your cares on me. Why? Because God cares for us. Jesus made that so clear in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, consider the lilies of the field. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. If God dresses those lilies, if he makes them that beautiful, how much more will he dress you? He says, consider the birds of the air. God feeds them. He takes care of them. If God feeds those birds, how much more will he care for you? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Beloved, God cares. He wants you to cast your cares upon him. A second verse on prayer comes from Philippians Chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. We looked at these verses almost two years ago. Great verses on prayer. The Bible says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and, and supplication. 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I waste a lot of my time being anxious. A lot of my time. I worry about things that never happen. Do you do that? All the time. All the time. But the Bible comes to us and says, instead of spending your day worrying, instead of being anxious about what you're going through or what's to come, spend that time on your knees in prayer. That's God's will for us. He wants to see his children come to him, lift up those petitions, those requests, those supplications to him with thanksgiving. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So whatever you're going through, be thankful to God. Lift those up to him, the sovereign God of the universe. Cast those cares upon him. Then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Three main words in this, these verses. Anxious or anxiety on one side. On the other side, you have peace that passes all understanding. What's in the middle? Prayer. Prayer. The way to get from anxiousness or anxiety or worry to the peace that passes understanding, you have to have prayer. And so many times I confess, instead of praying, I spend my time being anxious, being worrisome when I should be on my knees before the Lord. This is God's will for us, to lift up our petitions unto him, that that peace might dwell within our hearts. Let us seek the Lord in prayer. But secondly, this text teaches us it's the Lord who heals. Verse 2 says, David says, and you healed me. I know right now in this church we have testimonies of many people sitting in this church right now who have gone through greater battles than just the flu or a cold. They've gone through issues of cancer and great disease. And you have rested upon the Lord, and the Lord has brought you healing. He is the great physician. He is the one who heals. He's the one that can do something about our issues. He's a powerful God. In John chapter 4, the Bible says there was an official son who was sick. And that official came up to Jesus, and just through the power of Jesus' word, his son was made whole. God is a powerful God. He is the one who can give us victory even over our diseases. It is the Lord who heals. But the third thing we need to learn from this text is that for the Christian, battles ultimately end in victory. Look at verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. What this text is showing us is the difference between the momentary and the eternal. That which is temporary and that which will last forever. And I know what some of you are thinking. It's a great question, Pastor Adam. What if David was not healed? What if those in this congregation who prayed that prayer were not healed? What if they died? Well, the Bible comes to us in difficult situations like this 
And it teaches us, make sure we view the temporary and the eternal properly. When the Apostle Paul was arrested and he was put in a Roman prison, he wrote the book of Philippians. And he gives us that great verse in Philippians 1.21. He says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? It's gain. If you're here today and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you fear death, I want you to hear the good news of the gospel, that even death cannot defeat you because Christ defeated death for you. The Bible says that we're all going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. We're going to die or Jesus is going to come back. Yet, if we live long enough, if we tarry long enough and we die, if we go through physical death, here's the question. Is that death going to defeat us spiritually? On the earthly side of things, that mourning, that time of pain and suffering, it seems to last a long time, especially if you're going through a terrible disease like a cancer or a heart issue or some debilitating disease. It seems to last forever, yet in terms of eternity, the Bible says that's only a night. It will last for a night. What the Bible's teaching us here is perspective. What is our perspective of the suffering here on this earth? It might seem to tarry a long time, yet in terms of eternity, it is yet just a night. Because the Bible says that when believers close their eyes in this life, when they come to that point of physical death, the Bible says to us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible says to us when this broken vessel, this jar of clay, this tent breaks down, God will usher us into his very presence. And I'll tell you what Jesus in the Bible says about heaven. It says in heaven, that is the place where there's going to be no more crying, no more suffering, no more pain. It's a place where Christ himself will wipe every tear away and behold, all things are going to become new. That in Christ there is victory even over these earthly, temporary sufferings that we go through in this life. That's why David is able to say, for the Christian, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And that joy is going to be there whether we are healed from our sickness on this earth or even if the Lord takes us home. There's victory for the Christian. The Bible wants us to see the right perspective of seeing things temporarily versus eternally. We'll put one more slide on the screen. This is from John chapter 16. The Lord Jesus Christ talked about this issue of temporary versus eternal, the the temporary suffering, suffering versus joy. It says, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you were asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, a little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for 
joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. What is Jesus saying to us? Have an eternal perspective and know that the temporary sufferings of this life cannot match the joy, the eternal joy that we'll one day have with him. Amen. The second point of our sermon today comes from verses 6 and 7. And we see that it's David's prideful boast. Look at verse 6. David says, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. The Bible teaches us that David was a very prosperous man. We all love that story of shepherd boy David going out into the Eli Valley and slaying Goliath. He started being a prosperous man that day. It was said of Saul and David that Saul killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. David became king over the land of Israel. David was a prosperous man. But from this text, it seems that in the midst of his prosperity, David made a mistake. This text says that David turned to self-satisfaction. Again, what does verse 6 say? It says, as for me, I said in the midst of my prosperity, in other words, in the midst where everything was going great and well for me, what did David say? I shall never be moved. That's a bold statement. I shall never be moved. I am that powerful. I am that good. And in this case, I am that prideful. I am that arrogant. And in the midst of this arrogance, this pride, the Lord comes to David and he breaks him down a notch, tears him down a notch, pushes him down a notch. One commentator said it this way, that David abused his prosperity, not remembering that his standing was by grace. That he should have been in awe of God. And he should have forgotten about himself, but he said, no, I, I will never be moved. And in verse 7, David says, Lord, in that moment, you hid your face from me. You see it? You hid your face and David said, I was dismayed. I was broken. I was being disciplined by God. You know, the Bible says that God is a good, good father, and he disciplines those that he loves. And what God is teaching us here is that there's no room for pride. There's no room for arrogance in the Christian life. And David had that in his life. I will never be moved. And God was dealing with David and bringing him back down. So the question comes for us as we apply this text is this. What causes you or me to boast before God? When things are going well in life, when things are good and prosperous, do we say in our, maybe not out loud, but maybe in our heart or in our mind, I shall never be moved. 
I've got this great job. I make a lot of money. I'm never going to be moved. I've got this great status where, where I work or where I live. I'm never going to be moved. People view me a certain way. I can't ever be moved. Yet the Lord comes and he makes us not depend on ourselves but depend upon him. That's what he did with David. You know, if we study the Old Testament kings, we find that pride was a huge issue. We're going to put a verse up on the screen. It's James chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's talk about a few of these Old Testament kings. In 2 Chronicles 26, the Bible talks about King Uzziah. And it says when Uzziah was young, he did what was right in the sight of God. But he became very strong and prosperous. He was a great warrior. He was a great builder. His fame spread to Egypt. And in the middle of that chapter, it says, when Uzziah was strong, he became proud to his own destruction. And he went into the temple. He started messing with the priestly stuff. The priest told him, hey, King Uzziah, you shouldn't be here. You need to go. He had a choice to make. He could humble himself and go or not. Well, he chose the not. The Bible says he became angry at those priests because he was king, man. He could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. But the Lord struck him with leprosy. The Bible says he was quarantined the rest of his days. Couldn't go in the temple ever again. And he died a leper. The Bible talks about King Belshazzar in the book of Daniel. That he hardened his heart towards God. He boasted before the Lord. And the Lord had to deal with Belshazzar's pride. And he died a prideful man. We find King David the same way today, right? I shall not be moved. And the Lord comes to David and disciplines David. But what's David's response? It's a little different than Uzziah. It's a little different than Belshazzar. Do you know why? Because David was a man after God's own heart. And David acknowledged his sin before God. In fact, this text says in verse 8, David says, God, I plead with you for mercy. Have mercy on me, oh God. And David got his heart right with God in this text. So we see in the midst of David's prideful boast, his plea to God. And we see from this text that pride arrogance can't praise God. And David realized, you know what? I don't stand where I am in my own strength. I only stand where I am because of the grace of God in my life. And I now acknowledge that to the sovereign, merciful God. So in final response, the third point, David moves to celebration. Verses 11 and 12 David says, you've turned my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David's prayer had been answered. God had healed him. He had taken him from that dark moment and God took the bucket And put David in, and it was almost at the bottom. He was almost near death, and God pulled him out. And David looks back on his life. He said, you know, I was once an arrogant man. I thought I could stand. No one could push me around. I'm the king. 
But you know what? I realize now that I'm absolutely dependent upon the grace of God. I acknowledge that to you, Lord. I plead that to you, Lord. And now I celebrate what you have done in my life, oh God. He says, you've loosed my sackcloth. My mourning has been turned into dancing. God, I am praising you for what you have done in my life. And I'm not only going to praise you now just because you got me out of trouble. But I'm going to praise you all the time. And I'm not going to be silent about it. How often are we silent about it? David is publicly celebrating. He's publicly giving thanks in this psalm to all of us, teaching us, yes, we need to publicly acknowledge the goodness and the grace of God in our lives. And he's teaching us to give thanks in all circumstances. We have one final verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a psalm of thanksgiving, and David teaches us to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. David, in the midst of his sickness, in the midst of being healed, is giving thanks to the Lord. And he's giving thanks so that everyone can hear it. He's not being silent. He's saying to the Lord and to all of us, Every moment of my life, it doesn't matter if I'm going through prosperity, if I'm going through a time of sickness, I am dependent upon the Lord and I give thanks to him for sustaining me. As we think about this text today, three questions that we can be challenged with today. The first one, are we a prayerful people? Are we a prayerful people? Oftentimes, we, repre- we replace that prayerful time with anxiety, with worry. Or we replace it with the same pride that David had, that he's in a time of prosperity, and he's not even going to bother with prayer. The Bible teaches us to pray, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, Let your request be made known unto God. The Bible teaches us to pray. Secondly, are we a prideful people? David was a man after God's own heart, yet he too got called up in self-satisfaction. Again, he said, I will not, I shall never be moved. Are we forgetting about the grace that sustains every single one of our lives? Do we have the arrogance of a Uzziah or a Belshazzar? If we have that pride, let us be like David, repenting to the Lord, seeking a plea for God's mercy. As Paul says in Corinthians, when a man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. And then finally, Are we a thankful people? Maybe we're thankful, but we're silent about it. David teaches us not to be silent about it, to give thanks in all circumstances, in sickness and indeed in health. This, beloved, is the blessedness of prayer, of answered prayer in David's life. And let us never forget that for the believer, 
the Lord Jesus Christ has conquered all of our enemies, even death. That if God gives you a time of suffering, it might be agonizing here on earth. It will be agonizing here on earth. Yet, for those who are in Christ, all your enemies have been defeated. All, all of your sicknesses, all of your diseases, all of your hardships have been defeated. Because in Christ, he makes all things new. And that, yes, death will be part of this life. Yet, for the believer, death is swallowed up in victory. As Paul says, to live is Christ, but even to die is gain. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father.